But uh, the last day of, of Jude, lesson number 10. And again, we're going to go through it. I'm going to read through it one more time. And I know you guys are probably like, my goodness, we've been through this. Well, it's only one chapter, so we can do that. Now, we couldn't do that with you know one of those big books. Yeah, or Isaiah or something like that, you know. Uh, but with Jude, we can do that. And here we thought this would be... How many of you thought we'd get through Jude in just a couple of weeks? I don't know why. Okay. So we've been at it for a little bit. And so... Uh, but Jude, again, we know is right before the book of Revelation, so we know it's, it is centered, it is really written for those people in the last time. And yet, it's in the New Testament, and so, but, but we, this class is the advanced class. It's always been the advanced class. I used to come in and teach it when it was all older people in here, and I would say that, and we're all older, I mean, because, I mean, I think I'm looking in here. Some people don't have gray hair in here, but you know a lot of us do. But I'd say this is the advanced class, right? But no, I mean Bible-wise, this is probably a good advanced class. You guys know your Bible, okay? I haven't tried to pull anything over on you, have I? I mean, I mean, because you guys will let me know. But uh, Jude uh, verse one. Let's just go through it before I get any more trouble. Uh, Jude one. Uh, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Now, when I read through this, I think of everything that I've been teaching on for the last 10 weeks. And so I may stop and talk about it because Jude, okay. So which Jude was this? And we talked about that, right? And go back and look at it. Uh, Jude, I believe that this Jude is one of the apostles, okay? And he's the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, which guess what? was also an apostle. And if you think about it, name me a, a book in the Bible outside in the New Testament, outside of the Pauline epistles that was not written by an apostle. Try to stump you. Well, you got the book of Luke. Luke was not an apostle. Mark was not an apostle. You got the, but what do you call, Paul called himself an apostle out of due time, didn't he? So you really kind of liking Paul to an apostle, but outside of, of, uh, Mark and Luke, I don't think you'll find a book in the Bible that's written outside of being an apostle. Who wrote the book of Revelation? John. Apostle. First and second Peter. Peter. An apostle. So, and I think part of that was the fact that people, the Lord used it that way, the Holy Spirit put it that way, but also people would not probably accept it as being legit unless it was an apostle or somebody very, very close to an apostle. And the fact that Luke was one of the, the, on the team with Paul, and the fact that Mark also was in the mix all the way through this probably gave them some credentials. But somebody outside, like Jesus' half-brothers writing this, wouldn't have had the credentials that an apostle had. So let's keep going. So uh, I just threw that in for free too. So, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So are these people Christians? Yes. They are. They are. We gotta remember that. They are. But again, like everything else, 
we got to be really careful with the book, these last books, because they they are really focused. They're going back to the Jews, back to Israel, and yet we have Christians in the mix. So we would kind of call them, you know, like Christian Jewish epistles, okay? Uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, verse 2 says, Mercy unto you, and peace, and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are, and then he goes on this rant, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, I really like that word. I use it a lot, don't you? I'm just surprised I can pronounce it. And I've done fairly decent, I think. Lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a key. These men deny who Christ is. Okay? Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, one, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, two, and even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are setting forth for an example. And here is what he's putting these examples in here to show you suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He goes, I'm giving you three examples, guys, right here of people that you know, that you've heard about, you've probably read about. They disobeyed what God said and they're ending up where? In hell. Lake of fire. Okay. Either one. Okay. Now to a Christian... We can't, we can't end up there, can we? But yet, it's a big deal in this book to point, he's pointing this out to these people. You disobey God's rules and you're going to end up in the lake of fire. That's what he's trying to get across. Verse 8 says, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh, they despise dominion and speak evil of dignities, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. And again, we, we touched on this, but I think we could spend a lot of time just on this verse. So maybe it's an example of how we are to respond to these people. The Lord rebukes you. I mean... How many of you know people that, you know, some, somebody crosses them or they don't like somebody and they just go on and on and on? That's probably me. Uh, you know, and they gripe about it forever and ever and ever. And it's like, just the Lord rebuke thee and move on. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to learn that. Verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. Verse 10. But what they know naturally is brute beast and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain. There's number one. And they've ran greedily after the Balaam. Number two. And they've perished in the gain scenes of Korah. That's three. He always goes in threes which is interesting. Now where do these three people end up? And hell. hell. What happened to Cain? What happened to uh, Balaam? 
And what happened to Korah? Korah. Ground opened up. Yeah. They all ended up in hell. And, and the interesting part, two of them talked to God Himself face to face. And the other one saw all the miracles that God did with Moses and actually saw the pillar of fire and they saw God speak and all, everything. And yet, they went against Him and they all end up in lake of fire. Okay, number number uh, verse 12 says, And these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom it's reserved the blackness or the darkness. Let me back this up. Who reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Kind of sounds... Not good. Verse 14, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now, when does the Lord come with ten thousands of his saints? The second coming. Again, so we're focused. Everything is at the end times here. Okay, verse 15, and, and the Lord's coming to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers. He doesn't stop. He keeps going. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be... They who separate themselves, now he, he jumps right back into the list again, that, and he says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, which means fleshly, and, and I would put on there fleshly with a twist. Um, we see it all the time right now that, you know, men are not men, they're, they're, they're sensual. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying. Okay. Having not the spirit, but ye, beloved, so the whole context switches again, verse 20, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We're going to come back and look at that. And verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Interesting. Fire. We've been talking about people disobeying God and ending up in fire. Kind of the same approach here. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Watch the words. You would see that word spot come back out again. Spotted by the flesh. Unto now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Okay, so we're going to try to wrap this up today. Let me even get out early. How's that? Don't bet on it, though. Okay. Verses 1 through 19 on your handout says, Deal mostly with ungodly men. 
Okay. Now, in the Bible, these ungodly men are also referred to, and I have a list here, and this list is what ungodly is also translated in other places in the Bible. So they're also referred to, or it's translated, ungodly is translated as evil. Then you have a blank. And then the next one is worthless. And it makes me, it makes me kind of not like myself, because, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about people, and maybe not to their face, you know, I'm one of these backstabbers, you know, say, that guy's worthless. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to say that anymore, because according to God's word, worthless is it's the same thing as being evil. So we kind of need to watch our vocabulary. Uh, and yet, we, you know, we could say that all the time. Well, you know, that, that not necessary person, uh, that, that, that car that I have is worthless or, you know, how do you use the word? So, okay, so worthless is in the list. Unkind, perverse, wrong. Now we use that all the time. That's just wrong. Okay. Irreverence and ill, and irreverent. And I had to look at, okay, so what's the difference between irreverence and irreverence? So what I did was, I'll tell you how I got my list. Now, do any of you have a concordance at home? Okay. What, who, what's the name of your concordance? Strong. Strong's. Okay. Well, I, I have a Strong's concordance at home, but I also have a concordance at home called Young's concordance. I use them both. I actually am beginning to use Young more than the Strong's. Now, it's, it's a thinner Bible, but it lists, it lists the way the word is translated in the Bible and it uses the context to give you a different slant of how that word is used in different verses. And so what I did was I went right down Young's list to get these evil, and your, your blank is wicked. Okay. I went right down the list. And it showed the Bible verses. So it's, it's another tool that we can use, like, a, like Strong's. Strong's isn't the only concordance. It's a little more precise than, than Strong's is more general. But Young's is a little more precise. So I went right down Young's list and I got this list. Unkind, perverse, wrong, irreverent, and irreverent. And that's where I got irreverent, irreverence and irreverent. Irreverent, and what's the difference? And that's what I'm thinking. What's the difference? Well, number because they both are real close. When you and then I had to pull out my Debster's dictionary and break it down. And and I love it when the dictionary turns around and uses the same word to describe itself. And and basically, uh, what they both mean are, are are a wanting and respect specifically toward God. And it's also used for men. But primarily in the, in the Bible, it's used to talk about irreverence towards God. Okay? Um, and, and then, uh, so one of them, irreverence is a noun and irreverent is an adverb. And again, I'm not the big good, I'm not the, I shouldn't know my English better, but I'm not that great. But, uh, yeah, so ask, a couple of people that know English ask Sharon or my wife. She's really good with that. So then I looked at, okay, so what is reverence in the Bible? So reverence is fear mingled with respect. This is the opposite. Okay? And which makes sense because all these men we studied, you could fit right in this. They're, they're basically evil and wicked. Okay? They're ungodly. So the book, that's what the Bible defines 
ungodly men is. Now, the book of Jude also caused these certain men who crept in unaware. He, I mean, this, the book of Jude caused these men, these ungodly people, certain men who crept in unawares. And that's where I kept getting the word creeps. Okay. It caused them filthy dreamers. The book of Jude caused them brute beasts. And then you have a blank. In your blank goes spots. And I'm, I've made a big deal about spots in here a couple times. Study it out. Study spots out. They are not good. They are not good. They are all, they all go back and connect somehow with Satan. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jude calls them clouds without water. Trees without fruit. Twice dead, uprooted. Well, that's pretty strong words, right? Raging waves. Wandering stars, murmurers, complainers, lustful, all mouth, mouthy, mockers, fleshly, all strong words. I mean, Jude is trying to get the point across. These guys are bad. Now, you know, since this is our class and we can do things, I got a new whiteboard. It's all nice and clean up here. If you were going to describe an ungodly man, and you didn't use these words, what would your words be? Right, now, now, watch your language. We can't have now. <laughs> I have to think about myself on here. I'd have to really think about this because, you know, uh, I could write a lot of stuff, but it'd probably have to be all censored <laughs> about, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you smash your hand with a feet. You smash, you smash your finger with a hammer. You don't sit there and think, oh, thank you, you blessed hammer. <laughs> You're probably saying some not so nice words there. But, I mean, think about that. If you were going to describe in your own words what an ungodly man is and not using the words we've got, what would you say? There's a slander, slander, slanderers. Yeah, slanders. I'm not even going to write them on the board. I mean, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I mean, we might say dirty, rotten, skunk. I mean, we'd have all these names. Now, that, that's what Jude is doing here. He's trying to put everything in here to, t- to try to describe, this is how I really feel about these ungodly men. And, and that's why you get this clouds without water, the, the trees without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I mean, it's strong. Useless. Yeah, useless. Uh, think about it. So that's what he's trying to say here. And really what he comes down to, um, let's go back here. He goes, these they be who, verse 19, these be they who separate themselves, sensual. Okay. I could have some words for that. I mean, have to, like I said, they'd have to censor my stuff probably as much as anybody. Having not this, they're lost. So I don't know if that's a blank you have. Having not the spirit, these people are lost. You know, you could say you could call them satanic because they're basically following what Satan is saying. You want to describe how bad this guy is? You could say that dude is directly, he is satanic. Mm-hmm. He is, he has a reprobate mind. Yeah. You, you could say stuff like, but we don't use those words either. I mean, we might say satanic, but you know. Mm-hmm. But what is Jude trying to rely, rely to these people or relay to them? They are, they're lost. They're satanic. They're wicked. They are lost and they're headed for hell. I put that in, in uh, 
in large type there. So that's the point he's trying to get to the to the people that he's writing to. He's making a big deal about how bad these guys are. Why? Because he wants them to, as an example, don't do what they do. Don't do what they do. So in verses 20 to 25, the context changes with the word but. Now the text is, and that's so common in the Bible. So when you see that word, I usually hold on to something. Now the text is for the ones wanting to follow Christ in the tribulation. So really the book of Jude is written to the group of people in the tribulation because it is so important for them to follow God's rules because if they do not, they'll end up just like the people that Jude's been talking about in the lake of fire. But you talk, but then you go, wait a minute, but at the beginning of the book, you just said they were saved people. Again, that's why it can't relate to us. It relates to a group coming up. Okay. So, um, uh, let me see where I'm at. So I stopped short. So, so now the text is for the ones wanting to follow Christ in the tribulation. So these Christians must take, you have a blank there, action. They have to take action. They have to do something. The first thing, it's probably put on their running shoes because it's not going to be good for them. Okay? I know, I was thinking the same thing when I just read this a minute ago, uh, Roger. I'm like, these guys can be, they can't be do nothing Christians at this point. You know, we see a lot of those do nothing Christians, or, and we see them every day where we go. You know, not, not in this group or not in our church. We don't have any of those. But, uh, but there are a lot of Christians, it's, you know, they, they, they claim they're saved, but it's like you can't see it in what they do. You can't see it in their actions. But these people will have to take action or they won't make it. They won't make it. So they're told to build up their faith. They're told to pray in the Holy Ghost. And they are told to, let me go back, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Okay? All of these, you look at them and go, okay, so for a Christian, we are to build up our faith. Okay, I get that. We are to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not quite sure what that means. I'll just be honest with you. Um, I mean, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and yes, we do. We pray. Um, and then it says to keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, in, in a general sense, I get that. But again, each one of these, build, pray, Keep is an action. Okay, It's something that these people will have to do. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And let, me, let me jump to this. Uh, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Okay, let's stop here. That's, that's the end goal is to have eternal life. But it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Do I have to relate upon Christ's mercy to get eternal life? Do you? The answer I'm looking for is no. It's done. It's a fixed deal for us. But this group has to look for Christ's mercy unto eternal life. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, 
So all of these are Old Testament when you really think about them. They have a faith plus works or a faith and works mentality. They are for the last time or the last days. In fact, it says here, verse 18, it says how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Okay, again, context, the last time. You could say, well, we live in the, in the church age. That's the last time. Um, and if you know your dispensations, not really. I mean, we're getting close. But the last time is going to be basically when Christ is getting ready to come in. And so, uh, turn over, and that's in Jude 18. It says, last time. But turn over to Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Second Peter uh, writes a lot of the same things that Jude writes. Second Peter, I gotta find Second Peter, chapter 3. It's just a couple pages over, okay. Second Peter chapter 3. It says, this second epistle, beloved, now, now he is a, an apostle, right? See my connections now again. Um, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, and both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Ooh, seems like I've seen that somewhere in the book of Jude. Remember, remember, he wants these guys to remember that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord, of the Lord and Savior. Kind of pretty well matching what Jude said. Knowing this first that there shall come in the last What's the word? Days. So we're link, I'm linking the last times that I saw in Jude with the last days that Peter's talking about. Scoffers. Now he calls the ungodly man scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I've actually had people tell me that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been saying that Christ is going to be coming for 2,000 years, but it hadn't happened. I'm like, hold on, bud, it's coming. Okay. Verse 5 says, For until this they are willingly or ignorant of, by the word of God, that the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Old Testament reference again. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Basically, fits right along with Jude. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish... And we use that verse, which is a good verse. Context here is really tribulation. He doesn't want them to perish either. He doesn't want us either. Uh, but the context here in this passage is more of a tribulation passage, but that all should come to repentance. Oh my, now that really smacks more tribulation. Because that's old test, that is, that is, Faith plus works again, popping back out. That whenever you see that repentance in there, you got to look at it. 
But the day of the Lord is, again, again, second coming is as a thief in the night in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing that, then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in a holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the element shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be, that you may be found of him in peace without what? You just can't beat this thing. It gets, keeps popping up without spot and blameless. And I'm just going to stop right there. Okay. Again, it, it somewhat seems like it fits us, but it really doesn't fit us, does it? Because we were fixed. And I'm so glad we are. Because we would have lost it. Okay. But our job is to let those who this describes, let them know that they're going to hell. I mean, how do we do it? In a loving way, and so that they will accept the fact that the, what the Bible says is the truth, and it's going to happen. And the problem is they don't. That that is the million dollar. I think we all wrestle with that. How how do I talk to this individual without chasing them off? How do I leave the door open? They always say, "Well, I'm a good person. I do good things." Yeah, just like the man told me. And you try to tell them, you know, good things don't do. It, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do yeah. or say. Yeah. It's not us that's doing it. It's the Holy okay. Spirit that's going to save them. So if they, unless they accept that, they're not going to... So, you're right. You're right. And so that is the question we all wrestle with. It's discouraging because... Okay. Right. And so we have here uh, uh, Jude... And Peter are kind of matching up because they're talking about the same things. It says, these mimic what John the Baptist taught in Matthew 3, 7 through 8. And we also see it in Acts 26, 20. In fact, let's go back there and look at it. I keep thinking I'm running out of time and I want to make sure I get done today. But let's look at Matthew. Let's go. To, let's do the Matthew 3, 7 through 8. And we'll do them all. We're, we're right back to that again. You're, you are absolutely right. Um, Matthew 3, 7, and 8 says this. And this is... Uh, let me get the context here. Again, right after John the Baptist. In verse 1 says, In those days came John the Baptist. And let's go down to 7 and 8. 7 and 8 says, But... When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Again, talking about the second coming. Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. So there we have that repentance in there again. And so um, it's faith plus works kind of mentality uh, Acts 26. And then here's another verse, Acts 26.20. Now, we're at the end of Acts with this passage, and yet it's teaching the same thing that Acts 2.38 teaches. Acts 26.20. I'm a little slow today, guys. Acts 26.20 says, 
see if I got the right passage. Yes. But showed this back up to 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Paul's talking about his testimony. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. Now that's at the very end of, of Acts. Go back to Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. You'll see this all the time. You'll see it on bumper stickers. You'll see it everywhere because the Pentecostals want to use this verse. And they do use it. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is not to the church age. That is not to the age of grace. That is to the Jews. And it's basically... Uh, the same message that will take place during the, the tribulation. And so you kind of, in the tribulation, you have a mix. And I can show you this too in the book of Revelation. You have to have faith in Christ Jesus and works. You're going to have to do something, okay, in the tribulation. Or you will end up in the lake of fire. So, uh, these mimic what John the Baptist taught. Actually, Paul taught it until God got him aside and took him in the backside of the desert, worked him over for 40 days, and gave him the gospel. That's why, that's why Paul will say in places in, in some of the books he writes, you know, this is my God, this is my gospel. Well, the reason it, he called it my gospel, when you first look at that and you're like, well, who does Paul think he is? No, the reason he called it his gospel is because Christ gave it to him to give out first. Okay, So we don't have to keep ourselves. Back to the book of Jude. It says to keep yourselves in the love of God. Do we have to keep ourselves in the love of God? No. No. Because why? We've all been, if you've been through discipleship too, who keeps our salvation? Jesus, Jesus keeps our salvation. Okay. Now, I get the sense of it. Yeah, we need to keep the, our faith strong on a daily basis, but we don't have to keep ourselves in the love of God. But these people do. They have to, again, back to do something. It's so foreign because there's a lot of people and they don't understand their Bible and they'll think, hey, everybody gets saved like we do all the time. But you don't realize once that rapture hits, the ball game started all over again. And so, you know, once you realize that, now why did God put it in there for us? Well, number one, He wants us to realize how bad it's going to be. So anybody that we know, man, we need to work hard now to stay on track, even though it can't happen to us. It can happen to our kids. It can happen to our loved ones. It can happen to people around us. We need to know what the Bible says, what's going to happen, and what they're going to have to do. That's why at the very beginning I said, I always wanted to do a video and says, okay, so if I've disappeared, this is what I know and this is what I want you to know. This is what you're going to have to do. By the way, you can have all the food in the fridge. <laughs> you know, that type of a video. Now, now here's, here's the sad part to that because, you know, Bobby was in here and she says, well, it says, you know, she can make a, a case that, you know, these people are going, God's going to give them over to a lie and, and, well, you know what? Um, probably 99% of the people are going to give in. 
and take the mark. Well, people have already been given over to a lie. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. And you can't talk to them. Uh-oh. You can't share anything. You're, you're so absolutely right. Their mind's been seared with us. Yeah. So absolutely right. So we can see that when the when the rapture happens and we're out of here, how easy it's going to be that you know the majority are just going to roll with it. But you'll still have people because people are just like Cain with God. I know what you said, God, but I'm not going to do that because because I'm not going to do it. There will be people in the tribulation still that will stand up and go. I don't want that antichrist, that that guy. I don't want him. I'm going to do. I don't care what the government says. I don't know about this. I'm going to do what I want to do, and they'll probably do it for the right reason then, and make it through. Okay, uh, but we don't have to keep. And I've got some verses here on your handout. We don't have to keep ourselves in the love of God because God already does that. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God for us. But that person in the tribulation, it's it's. They better stay the straight line or they'll be like the people in Jude. They'll be in the lake of fire. And that's why Jude is so important for them. Now, the point is, do you think these people will be reading the book of Jude in the tribulation and see that? I don't know. I don't know. Do you think they'll be pulling out? Do I think what? I would think so, but you know You know, I've thought about you know, Bibles that we send out everywhere. Well, people look at that when, when you know, the stars start falling from the sky and, and all this stuff starts hitting and they're having famine and all this. Yeah. A lot of them in the Bibles. Well, they may be. Well, that, that could be, but if we, I, I, I don't think God will downplay it that we ship Bibles all over the world before that happens, so who knows? I don't know. But uh, so the instructions, and and we'll wrap up here pretty close. The instructions to those in a tribulation is to endure to the end. The end goes in your blank if you have a blank there. Maybe I just highlighted it. That's either the end of their lives or the end of the tribulation. This time it's not they go to jail like in Monopoly. This this game's real. They're going to have to do something to do it. So it's a, it's it's they have to believe in what Christ did, but they're going to have to also obey what He said. It's a little different than us. You're saved by faith in every dispensation in the Bible in history, but the works of that faith changes from different dispensations. It's always a faith, always faith, but how you how you uh, apply how you approach God changes in different ones. So we live on the back of the page, number two. It says we live in the church age, the age of grace. We have eternal life when? Now. now. We have it now. Our salvation is secure. Hallelujah. We cannot do anything to lose it, but we must strive to keep our relationship with Christ fresh and live our lives for Him and not ourselves. Here's our biggest problem. And I'll tell you this because it's my biggest problem. we got to stay focused on Christ instead of focused on ourselves. Hey, I, I have ran the gamut, guys. and I mean... I go back and I look at my life and I'm like, okay, so what, you know, what have I put at the top on my list? Number one, well, I, I wanted to own my own company. I did that. I wanted a house at the lake. I did that. 
I wanted to live on a farm. I did that. I did those things and I put those things ahead of what I should have been putting God ahead of. And it's taken God, it's taken my whole life to get, I'm getting closer to the end till I wake up and realize, you know, all those things are, are meaningless. You know, I got, I got, uh, how many deer heads I got hanging on the wall at different spots? I, I got these big deer heads hanging up. I got this, I'm like, I remember the first one I shot. I'm like, I'm so proud of it when I, I'm going to mount this thing. I got it in the freezer and I got the freezer locked. Because man, this, this dude is my prized possession, man. And now I got the thing sitting in a closet. Big deal. And I'm not saying if you like to deer hunt or go fishing, it's a bad thing. Or whatever you want to do. But in my life, I've realized a lot of those things I thought that was important to me are not that important. I should have been focusing on Christ. And that's the problem I got. And same thing now. I see a lot of people, well, I'm getting ready to retire. I can take it easy. I don't have to go to church every Sunday. I don't have to be a part of the cleaning team. I, don't, I can just sit back. I did my time. Now, does that not hit the bandwagon? Did you hear me saying that? No. <laughs> Just just because you got a bum leg, dude. We gave you a pass last Saturday, but there are no more passes after that. <laughs> but I mean, our our biggest problem is to keep Christ at the top. You know, I was thinking today. I mean, and I'll just be honest with you. I wish every chair in here was filled up. And this class goes, and I know you guys are in ministry and you're doing stuff. And Sharon, when you're gone, I'm like, I miss you because you're not in here. And I know you're doing something. But I want you guys here. So one week, you know, might be 15 people in here. Next week, there's two. And I'm like, it's kind of... change our name, though. Everybody thinks we're old. I've been saying that for years. How about Firm Foundation? Give me some recruiting. Give me a name. Give me a name. Firm Foundation. The essential class. I don't know. Get me a... <laughs> the, yeah, I don't know. Give me a name. We'll try to change it. Okay. Uh, but, but where was I at? That just blew my mind now. Uh, but we think that. But there are people that think that. There are people think, well, I've done my time. Now, I've done that. You know, I'm like, I got rid of, I, I got out of the two-year-old class with our daughters. And I'm like, I am not going back to teach a two-year-old class again. <laughs> The supervisor called me the following week and goes, hey, can we get you to fill in for somebody? And I'm like, uh, um, um. and she goes, well, I need an answer now. And I go, okay, no. And I wanted to thank her for being kind of rude because it just made up my mind. But that's my mentality. I mean, we need to go where God wants us at. So we need to have that mentality. That's what we will, that'll be our biggest focus. Cause we're like, oh, you know, I, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And I know you guys don't run to the lake every week. I don't run to the lake every week. I got a house at the lake and I don't run to the lake every week. So, Brian found out how to, Brian found out how to have a lake down there now. I think he's wanting to go, but, uh, not on the weekend, but. <laughs> See Brian gone? That's probably what's going on. Uh, we, but we got to put Christ first in our life. Um, so we must learn from the past, present, and future. And the thing is, we have a book that tells us that. You can't find what's going to happen in the future anywhere else. You're going to have to go to the book. 
Isn't that awesome? And we have the Bible that tells us where we can learn. So we've been studying the book of Jude, basically made for the people in the tribulation, and we know how does that apply to us, only in the fact that we need to realize our time is short and we need to be focused. So we're going to start a, we'll probably do a, a lesson next week and then we'll start a new book at the first of the year. Next week, oh yeah, next week we don't have anything. So we have one more though between no. Yeah, there's a fifth Sunday. No, it's in January. No. So yeah. So our next time will be the first. Yeah. Okay, I just get going on our next book. So uh, we'll go from there. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that your Bible teaches us past, present, and future, Lord. And I pray that each one of us in here can learn from the past, the people that went before us, that you, that we can learn right now the things that you're showing us and that we can also learn from what you've already told us is going to happen in the future, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would focus on on who you are and putting you first in our life and then focus on doing the mission that you want us to be a part of. And Lord, I just pray that you would get the honor and the glory out of our lives. I pray we would see much fruit. I pray for Brian as he preaches the main service. And I pray that if anyone's here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray they'd get saved today. I really do. I pray they'd walk out of here knowing Jesus as their Savior. So I pray for good opportunities this week to preach your word. And we just ask you to... to Open up doors so that we can do that. In Christ's name, amen. amen.